on September the 6th, 2018, after a long shift, Amber Geiger came home to her apartment and was surprised to find it unlocked. Immediately, her instincts kicked in. She drew her sidearm and walked into the apartment expecting to find an intruder. What she didn't realize was that she had walked up an extra flight of steps and had walked into the apartment of Botham Jean, who was not an intruder, but was sitting watching television. She fired two shots and killed her unarmed 26-year-old neighbor. This past Tuesday, a jury convicted former Officer Geiger of murder, which itself, a white police officer held accountable for the shooting of an unarmed black man is a remarkable thing, but perhaps not as remarkable as the events that followed. In the sentencing phase, we all watched the video, saw the picture, heard the words as the victim's brother, Brant Jean, testified that he loved Miss Geiger and that he forgave her before asking the judge if he might give her a hug. Image of that embrace, convicted murderer and victim's brother filled the news and our social media feeds. And then after she had pronounced the sentence of 10 years, Judge Tammy Kirk, who had presided over the trial, climbed down from the bench and after hugging members of the victim's family, she too hugged Miss Geiger, the convicted murderer, handing her her own personal Bible, mentioning that John 3.16 was a passage she might want to study while she was in prison. And then everything erupted. Protests sprang up because the sentence was thought to be too lenient for someone convicted of murder. Many people celebrated the image of heartfelt forgiveness, the embrace of convicted murderer and victim's brother. But others decried that image as yet another sign that Officer Geiger, that the Dallas Police Department, and more generally, that a culture that propagates police shootings had received yet another pass. Before long, theologians and pastors and rabbis chimed in from every side. One remarked that forgiveness can only be granted by the one who was hurt. And so in this instance, we would be better served to focus on the need for repentance than forgiveness. Another called out, how could anybody in the religious community be critical of a genuine act of forgiveness? A sign, he wrote, of how far we've wandered away from an understanding of God's mercy. Yesterday evening on NPR's All Things Considered, the Reverend Michael Waters, a pastor from Dallas, tried to give some perspective to this confusing uh, unfolding series of events by noting that the reaction has largely been a misunderstanding of the protest, not of Brant John's act of forgiveness, but of how quickly black forgiveness becomes weaponized back against the community by those who would rather point to a passing moment of heartfelt forgiveness 
than tackle the underlying issues of racism that infect systems like ours. It's hard to know what to feel. It's hard to know what to think. It's hard to know what to do. What should we do as people of faith, as children of God, as followers of Jesus? What do we do? How do we respond? In Luke 17, actually just a few verses before our gospel lesson this morning picks up, Jesus offers his disciples a remarkable and challenging vision of what repentance and forgiveness look like in the Christian community. Occasions for stumbling are bound to happen, Jesus said to them, but woe to anyone by whom they come. Be on your guard. If another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender. And if there is repentance, you must forgive. And if the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. So incredible, so demanding was that instruction to the disciples that the disciples response which is right where our gospel lesson picks up today is Lord increase our faith I can't tell if that's a statement of their inadequacy or a request for supernatural assistance but either way it's the disciples recognition that the call to forgive like that is more than they can muster of course the number seven isn't just the number seven, it represents completeness, fullness. And so when Jesus tells us that we must forgive even seven times a day, what he means is that we must forgive without limit. And how can we? How can we feel the stretch of human kindness to its almost breaking point as a call to be faithful? And why would Jesus issue such a call when it hurts so much? Why? Not because forgiveness is the right thing to do, but because forgiveness is who we are. I don't like the image that Jesus uses to get this point across, the image of the slave serving at the dinner table. In Jesus' day, slavery didn't carry the racial distinctions that it does in our own context. But it's hard to hear what Jesus is trying to say when the image he uses is caught up in the differences of class and race that pull apart our society. Jesus is trying to help us see that that call to radical forgiveness isn't really that radical, that exceptional at all. Do you thank the slave for doing what was ordered, he asks, So you also, when you've done what you were commanded to do, you say, we too are worthless slaves. We've only done what we ought to have done. It's kind of like me expecting Elizabeth to pat me on the back and say thank you when I bother to change a child's diaper or sacrifice a whole hour of my time to watch our children. It's ridiculous to expect God to pat us on the back when we're only doing what we do as God's children. But lest we think that those whose job it is to forgive are the only ones who have work to do in holding the Christian community together, forget not the other part of Jesus' radical demand. Not only does Jesus require radical forgiveness, but also radical repentance. 
Occasions for stumbling are bound to come, he said, but woe to anyone by whom they come. It would be better if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. So be on your guard. If another disciple sins, rebuke that disciple. And if there is forgiveness, then, if there is repentance, then you shall forgive. We might delight in celebrating one black man's gesture of remarkable forgiveness, but if we are going to be the Christian community, then we have to receive the rebuke that it is our racism that infects these systems. We must embrace the call to repent. As the Reverend Cornell William Brooks in that same NPR interview said, we can commend the hug, but we can't ignore the slap in the face to African Americans in America, and that means we must hold police departments accountable. If we are Jesus' followers, if we are the body of Christ in this world, then we must care as much about receiving the radical call to repent as we do about celebrating instances of radical forgiveness. And that's not easy. It's hard because it hurts and because it makes us angry. It's hard to admit our participation, our benefit in systems that are plagued by systemic racism. Just as it is difficult to forgive someone who has hurt you over and over again. But in order for the community to get past that anger and that hatred, we must replace them with love, costly though it may be. Without that love, the end of that anger and hatred is vengeance. The words we heard from Lamentations and the psalm should send shivers through our bodies. Did you hear those words? After the poet surveys the destruction of Jerusalem, the psalmist delights in the murder of Babylonian children as retribution for the damage done to God's people. Those feelings are real, but we have to hope for something better. We cannot allow hatred and resentment and violence to define us. We must search for something else. And so we must repent and we must forgive. Not because it's the right thing to do, not even because it's the noble thing to do, but because it's who we are. It's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to belong to the one who has shown us radical love, who has given us radical forgiveness. Then we can pursue a world that doesn't look like the world that unfolds in the news. Then we can be followers of Jesus, our Savior. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.